Hey, good morning, Northview. Good morning, Steve. Thank you for responding. Hey, good morning, Northview. Apparently, I'm the only one who's had coffee today. As you're able, stand with us, will you? For those of you joining us online, good morning. We welcome you. Let's focus upon the Lord as we usher in his presence and bless him this morning. Join us. breaks the power of sin and darkness whose love is mighty and so much stronger the king of glory the king above all kings who shakes the whole earth with holy thunder who leaves us breathless in awe and wonder King of glory, the King above all kings. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You laid down your life. That I would be set free. Oh, Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. Who brings our chaos back into order? Who makes the orphan? Son and daughter, the King of glory, the King of glory, who rules the nations with truth and justice, shines like the sun in all of its brilliance, the King of glory, the King above all kings. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love That you would take my place That you would bear my cross You laid down your life That I would be set free Oh, Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me worthy is the lamb who was slain worthy is the king who conquered the grave worthy is the lamb who was slain worthy is the king who conquered the grave worthy is the lamb who was slain Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy, worthy, worthy. Oh, this is amazing grace. 
this is unfailing love that you would take my place that you would bear my cross you laid down your life that I would be set free oh Jesus I sing for all that you've done for me you've done for me Glory in the highest, oh come. 
I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples. For great is your love reaching to the heavens, your faithfulness to the skies. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens, and let your glory be over all the earth. My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. You are here. You are holy. We are standing in your glory. You are here. Oh, you are holy. We are standing in your glory. You are here. You are holy. We are standing in your glory. You are here. You are holy. We are standing in your glory. You are here. You are holy. We are standing in your glory. You are here. Oh, you are holy. We are standing in your glory, Lord. Oh, you've come to bring peace, to be love, to be nearer to us. So you've come to bring life, to be light, to shine brighter in us. So we presence we find our strength over everything our redemption God with us you are God with us so you've come to be hope to this world for your honor and shame and you've come to take sin, to bear shame, and to conquer the grave, oh, we man, you well, you are God with us, our deliverer, you are Savior, in your presence we find our strength. Over everything, our redemption, God, with us. You are God, with us. Our deliverer, you are Savior. In your presence, we find our strength. Over everything, our redemption, God. Praise, praise the 
virgin sings her lullaby. Joy, joy, for Christ is born, the babe, the son of Mary. Jesus, you are God with us. Emmanuel, we acknowledge your presence. We give you so much thanks for the gift of your son that we celebrate this season. Jesus, may we never forget that you are indeed God with us. I read something this morning that I wanted to share just to close out this portion of service. <clears throat> Forgive me, I'm a little out of breath. This quote is by Francis Ridley. Just close your eyes and listen for a second. It says, Begin at once before you venture away from this quiet moment. Ask your king to take you wholly into his service and place all the hours of this day quite simply at his disposal and ask him to make and keep you ready to do just exactly what he appoints. Never mind about tomorrow. One day at a time is enough. Try it today and see if it is not a day of strange, almost curious peace, so sweet that you will be only too thankful when tomorrow comes to ask him to take it also. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning, everybody. Merry Christmas. It's good to see you, whether you're here in person or joining us online. Uh, thanks for joining us. It's Christmas time. This is great. It's wonderful. What an amazing time and a reminder to be able to come together and worship Jesus, especially as this crazy year comes to a close. There's a couple things going on that we want you to know of. Uh, the first is Christmas Eve is this week. I know, right? <laughs> That's crazy. So we're doing Christmas Eve services at 3 and 5 o'clock. Uh, here in person, we will be live streaming the 3 p.m. service. So if you want to join us uh, on our Facebook or YouTube and, and watch from home with your family, you're welcome to, to join us. And if you want to be here, we'd love to see you and celebrate and worship alongside you on Christmas Eve. Then as we look forward to the new year, I think many of us would agree that reading Scripture, being engaged with the Bible, understanding God's Word really changes your life. And it transforms you to be more like God. And so as we get ready to launch into a new year, we want to invite you to join us in reading through the Bible. Now, I know for a lot of us, when we hear read through the Bible, we're instantly intimidated and said, I've tried that before. In fact, maybe I know the first couple chapters of Genesis really well, and it always peters out. Uh, but that's okay, because this year we have a lot of different options. More than reading cover to cover, it's, it's about being in the Word, about establishing a daily habit about seeing what does the Bible have to say? How can I be applying it to my life? And who is this Jesus that we come on Sundays and sing and honor? We have a variety of plans. And rather than me just stand up here and tell you each of the ways and why it's important and what you can gain from reading through the Bible, we figured why not set aside some time as a family to be able to walk through it. So next Sunday, Phil Wagner is actually going to be speaking up here about reading through the Bible, laying out the different ways that you can do it, why is it important. Uh, he's even got his own, uh, and it's, it's the champ method. It's pretty cool. But again, it's all centered around just being involved and setting that daily habit of being in the Word. 
If you want a sneak peek, you can head to the website and you can see the different ways that you can sign up for. Um, and signing up is just a way for us to be able to encourage one another throughout the year. So stay tuned for next Sunday. Phil's going to be sharing, uh, and we would love for you to join us as we read through the Bible together. Uh, <laughs> the year's almost over, so with financial giving, thank you, thank you, thank you for the generosity that you have shown. We've been able to do some pretty incredible things uh, throughout this year, whether it was our relief fund or paying off the debt of our building or bringing on James in the associate role. There's been a lot of good that's happened this year, and you guys have been at the heart of all of it. So on behalf of the staff and elders, a continual thank you for your figurative and literal buy-in to the ministry here at Northview. Um, on the business side, if you are wanting your donations to count on your 2020 taxes, uh, we do need to have it by the end of the year. And if you're looking for on Sunday giving, that's this Sunday and next Sunday, or you can mail it in or head on to the website, nview.org, and give that way. But we've got to receive it by the end of the year if you want it to count for this year. Uh, would you join me in a word of prayer this morning? Lord, as we, as we come to the end of the year, may we look back and remember the things that you have done. May we be in awe, Lord, of despite the craziness of our world, the way that you have moved. And I'm just reminded daily of the way that this church body has been obedient to you in so many ways, Lord, in their serving one another and their praying for one another and for our community and in their financial giving, Lord, whatever it may be, they've been obedient. May we celebrate you this morning in your son's name. Amen. Uh, if you have a middle school student, 6th, 7th, or 8th grade, you guys can head on upstairs. Steve, come on up. Well, that didn't work. All right. Well, if that's the worst that ever happens, we'll all be doing good. Hey, good morning, everybody. A blessed and Merry Christmas to you and your families, and uh, we hope that you have a wonderful time together and celebrating. Uh, I just want to encourage you, next, uh, Phil's going to be sharing uh, next Sunday, and uh, we would like you to sign up and register with your emails, and the reason for that is that we send out uh, encouragements throughout the year. Right, and a lot of times you just need someone to say, "Hey, we know this is an easy place to get stuck. You might be getting bogged down, kind of stuff, and you just need someone to talk to you." And, uh, Phil sends out a really good job on that; does uh, just encouragement throughout the year. So think about registering so we know who's going to join us on that, and uh, we'll be glad to have you. All right, so we're in our Christmas series called "The Thrill of Hope: The Weary World Rejoices," and uh, it's been really good. We've talked so far. We've covered hope for the Jews, and then last week we covered hope for the Gentiles. This morning we're going to cover hope for the church, right? And that's one that uh, a lot of people say, well, is there such a thing as hope for the church? Well, come and join me. Let's look and see, and let's pray before we start. Father, this is, uh, I think, an important message. I think this is one uh, that's probably the key critical piece in the series, and it's about what you're doing across the world. And Lord, as we look and see. We need that for encouragement here in Mill Creek. You know this is a hard area. You know that a lot of people are resistant or more just indifferent would be a better word. And we've longed for a season where you would break through and your manifest presence would become obvious to the Mill Creek area. We often use the word revival. Lord, we seek you for that. Even as we talk through today, may uh, you break out here uh, and may people be done with themselves and with this world and 
uh, take a look at what you offer. And so we lift that up to you with great hope and ask this in your name. Amen. All right, so let's start with the uh, Christmas setting. When we're talking about uh, hope for the church, let's start with the Christmas setting since we're, we're right there. We're in Luke chapter 2, and it says this. In the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Or another translation says, on those whom his favor rests. I like that phrase. Fear not, for I behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now, one encouraging thing there is uh, when you think about this story, what I think is important is often we say, well, God would never speak to me because I'm just a little person. I'm just a no one. I'm just... Uh, uh, you know, I don't carry any significant peace in the government. I don't carry any significant peace in the community. I'm just, uh, you know, a piece in the cog of the machine. Notice that when God came to speak and when he uh, started the whole Christmas thing, who did he talk to? Shepherds. Nobodies, right? And I think that's a great encouragement that God notices nobodies, okay? So if you're a nobody, you're in good shape. Okay, so if any of you have been beating yourself up and thinking, man, I'm just a nobody, God knows you, and he can speak to you. He spoke to the shepherds, he can speak to you. We'll keep moving on. Good news, what is the good news? God has come to rescue us. That is called uh, the good news, the gospel, the evangelium. That is the whole proclamation that when Jesus came, it was a wonderful thing. It was a good thing. Jesus uh, said it would say it this way later in his life. He says, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Jesus knew what he was doing. As we've seen, Jesus came for the Jews and the Gentiles. And Ephesians is a great book. tells us something very profound about what his death on the cross, for after all, if you think about it, uh, that death on the cross, that's what he came for saying what this death on the cross would mean, what it meant to the whole world. And he would do something completely new. In Ephesians 2, uh, verses 13 to 16, it lays the tracks for this, what we call the church. It says this, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off, that be us the Gentiles. Okay? Just in case you weren't know who he's talking to, he's talking to us. Okay? But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off, have been brought near by the blood of Jesus, or the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one, and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall, here's a critical phrase here, the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in, a, in the place of the two. So making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body, through the cross, thereby killing 
the hostility. What this passage is informing us of is that Jesus broke down that wall of hostility we've talked about the last two weeks that kind of developed over the centuries. He broke it down between the Jew and the Gentile. And this is one of the most amazing and astonishing truths of the New Testament. No, we, we're familiar with it now, but nobody would have thought this when it first came out. And he would do this through this new thing called the church. But even this took a while. I, I want to throw this little piece in because sometimes uh, when we're thinking, we don't often, when we're reading through Scripture, like I was talking to somebody, said, man, you know, it's hard to read the prophets. It's just one slam dance after the other, after another, right? And I said, well, do you realize that there's periods of months or years between those? And they go, well, I hadn't thought of that. And when you put the time factor in, it makes a lot of sense. The same is true for the church. One of the things... Uh, is hard to get the timing on the pieces in the New Testament. Uh, we're familiar when the church officially began. It was on the Feast of Pentecost at the temple. Uh, you know this passage well. It says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And we know that those were actual languages in this particular setting because when people came and gathered around, they said, well, why do we hear them speaking in this language and that language? And How in the world did they learn this? They're, there's no way. They're Galileans. It's like, how, how did that happen? But notice also that all the people they were speaking, so all when, when this happened here, in this passage, these are all Jews, right? They're, they're, they're all the disciples and Jewish people that Jesus had drawn to himself. And when the people come rushing around, who comes rushing around? It's all Jews. Notice in Acts 2.5, now there were staying in Jerusalem when this happened, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. So we've got Jews empowered by the Holy Spirit, and you've got Jews flocking to find out what this is all about, and you've got Jews coming to Jesus Christ. That's about 3,000 people in one day. Jesus had laid the groundwork really well. They knew about him, and they knew, and when they heard the story, bang, the, the, the switch was tripped, and they kicked over and became believers. So one of the things we don't really have a category for is that the church started out all Jewish, Right? We're instantly thinking church, but when you go back to the text, it actually started out all Jewish. And it isn't until Cornelius comes on the scene. Remember that guy Cornelius? He was the God-fearing centurion, and Peter saw the vision of the sheet coming down and said, hey, Peter, eat and kill. And, and, and Peter says, well, I've never done that, Lord. And then later Peter realized he wasn't talking about food and stuff. He was talking about other things. And so these men came and said, hey, we've come to get you because Cornelius, our master, wants to talk to you. And so Peter went, and then the Holy Spirit came on Cornelius and his entire household. And when that happened, they were shocked. Why were they shocked? Because Cornelius and all his household were Gentiles. And they were like, wait a minute. Whoa, what's this all about? Now, the instant, or the important point of that is that probably happened about 20 years after Pentecost. When you read it in Acts, it just goes boom, 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 and you think, oh, that happened in like two weeks, right? Now it was about 20 years. 
when Cornelius showed up. And people would say, well, what about the Ethiopian eunuch, you know, that Philip witnessed to and, and baptized? Uh, most believe that he was an Ethiopian Jew who was one of the pilgrims, like we read uh, in this verse here, that had come to Jew Jerusalem for the holidays, so to speak. But as we move forward from Cornelius, you go from Cornelius to Antioch, to Antioch, to the three missionary journeys and Paul's ministry, and we end up with the church as we understand it, all right? It quickly and rapidly expanded. Uh, many Jews have enfolded into this thing called the church. We call them messianic. What does that mean? It means they've accepted Jesus, Yeshua, would be the way you say that, as Lord and Savior and Messiah. And that's happening all over the place today, by the way. And so the church has shaped and influenced history and the culture for over the last 2,000 years. Powerful, powerful force in the, in the world. But many believe that that era is over. Done. Capiche. Right? They're looking and saying, um, nah, the church is kind of washed up, kind of worn out. You know, it's an old, tired message. It's kind of out of touch and even worse. A lot of its claims are evil, if not utter nonsense. And we have so moved past all that religious foolishness. And we stand behind science today. And, uh, and if you listen, if you do get anything in the press uh, from the church, it's where somebody botches it or blows it. And it's just further evidence to see how lame it is and how out of touch it is because it's so out of whack they can't even get their own act together. Um, and, you, and worse, what you hear from the press is crickets, right? Dead silence. You would not know there's a church in our country from reading the news uh, in our country today. You wouldn't even know it's there. That did not used to be true. That did not used to be true. As a matter of fact, when I was a kid, it was regular that the good things that the church did were in the paper all the time. The good things that the church did in the community were lauded and applauded in the paper all the time. And the holidays were held as a special season where people were struggling or hurting. That's when they could reconnect with God and the papers actually extolled that and said, this is a good time, go check out the church. That's not true anymore. And so as a result, we're getting a, an uneven picture. But be that as it may, all of that this morning, as, we, as you're sitting there thinking, the real question on the table is this. Is there any real hope for the church? Right? You've sat there, you've watched this, you've watched all the stuff happen, you've seen the whole culture get shut down, you've seen the churches get shut down, you know, we wondered if we could keep going and that kind of stuff, and you're kind of worried and going, wow, I don't know, uh, you know, the government seems way more powerful than God, and uh, I don't know if we're going to make it till next week, and oh my goodness, what's going to happen? Right? Now, I know you're, you're looking, sitting there, and you've got your mask on, so you can be really cool, like, nah, Steve, never thought that. No, we're good, right? Full of faith. Yeah, we're there. Okay, I know you thought that, all right? How I know you thought that, I've thought that. Wrestled with it. 
Maybe it's just old. Maybe the church is just bloated and irrelevant. And basically, it needs a knife stuck in it to just put it out of its misery. Right? And then we could do real culture. And we could do real life. I stand before you today to tell you that this is far, far, far from the truth. And that there is great hope for the church. And the reason there's great hope for the church is because of the king who's behind the church. Jesus is not done adding to his bride, and rather than the picture we just walked through, the exact opposite is true. God has never been more at work in his bride than he is now in 2020, soon to be 21. This morning, what I'd like to do with you is just take a small survey of what's been going on in the church over the past 20 years, right? So basically, uh, let's go from 1980 to 2000. So the past 40 years is what we're looking at. And we're going to just take a survey of that. I'm taking my information from an article called The Growth of the Church, written by what's called the Traveling Team. And uh, I have the article right here so you can see it on the screen. This is what it looks like. And uh, you can look that up on the internet. Uh, but that's what the page is. Let's just start. Now, I'm going to breeze through this. I'm not going to try and convince you of all this. I'm just going to give you a picture, a swipe through, uh, and you can do more research. There's a lot more out there that will back this up. But here's some current numbers. Let's look at current numbers. 8,100, right? 100 years, so 60 years after Jesus. Uh, there were 360 non-believers for every Christian on the planet, which means... There weren't that many people on the planet. It means there weren't that many believers. All right? 8,100. Go back in your history books. Remember back there? Okay? 8,100, there were um, 360 non-believers for every Christian. 82,000. Just 20 years ago, there are now nine non-believers for every Christian. We've closed the gap significantly. When's the last time you heard that? Never. Some of you are sitting there going, What? Yeah, evangelism is exploding all over the globe. Only one out of four is now from non-reached people groups. Hey, we're closing the gaps. There are not many. Matter of fact, we've just sent the Hardaways to Papua New Guinea. Many of the tribes that have not yet heard the gospel are actually in that Finisterre mountain range in Papua New Guinea. There's more in other places of the world, but we have closed the gap enormously in this. They expect this to be done in less than 10 years, where every tribe will have the, the gospel in their language. That's in 10 years. Remember when you were a kid and it was like, we'll never get there? We're right there. We're right on the doorstep right now. Today, there's 6,000 churches that are sporting over 10,000 missionary teams. Right? That's talking about the United States. Okay, in the United States. And this will be needed to finish the task of reaching every people group for Christ and getting the gospel into their language. All right, and we, we talked about uh, Papua New Guinea um, and the Hardaways and continue to pray for them, right? They're there, they're doing well, and they are out of quarantine, I believe. So that's a good thing. Matthew says this, Jesus says, and this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Would you like some more evidence? Here's some more. Right now, the gospel is being presented to over 260,000 people a day. With the internet, uh, with all the electronic means, with smartphones, with all that stuff, 
the gospel is exploding. Over a quarter million of people a day are hearing the gospel presentation. If you want to pray for something, pray. God, as these invites go out and as people see these programs and all this stuff, pray that they would accept Christ. That's an incredible thing, that they'd respond to those invitations. And many are. The average number of those being added to the body of Christ daily is 174,000. There are 3,500 new churches being added to the body of Christ every week. Now, many of those are what we call micro-churches or home churches or cell churches. Uh, For example, in India, this number is exploding. um, And we'll talk about that in just a second. The current growth rate is at 8% for the church. We need only 11% per annum to allow us to place a living Christian fellowship a local church as a witness in every community in the entire world. Now, there's just 3% more, and we, we, can, we can put a church in every community in the world. How about some more evidence? Here's some evidence of growth of the church. In the 1980s, look at this. When's the last time you heard this? In 1980s, Singapore, 10%, increased by 10%, those who had seen Christ come into their lives, 10% of Korea came to Christ, 10% of Chile came to Christ, and 10% of Indonesia came to Christ. You're going, oh, ho-hum, so what? Indonesia is the largest Muslim country in the world, and as of today, as we stand here in 2025, 25% of Indonesian is Christian. That's astonishing. Consider the growth rates of the world's largest religious blocks. Christianity is by far the fastest growing religion in the world. If you look at this, Buddhists are increasing by 1.7 percent, nominal Christians 2.2 percent, Hindus 2.3 percent, Muslims 2.7, non-religious 2.8, we call them the nuns, right? And then Bible-believing Christians 6.9. It's exploding. It's exploding, but nobody's talking about it. The growth of the church Christianity has grown by 300 million believers in the last 10 years. Of that, 10 million are from North America and Europe. 290 million are from Nigeria, Argentina, India, and China. By the way, the numbers in China are a guesstimate. Right now, they guess, uh, because there's no way to get the actual numbers, they're guessing it's between 90 and 130 million have come to Christ in China alone. It is, the numbers are staggering. They could be even larger than that. Over 30,000 conversions happen in China every day. Every day. So if you want to wake up and pray for something that's going, pray for China. Lord Jesus, keep going. Get the brothers and sisters Help them with everything they're doing. India, 15,000 are coming to Christ every day. We've been asked by Converge USA, which is our conference, and we're part of Converge Northwest, and our executive director, Nathan Hedinga, uh, to consider partnering with the Timothy Initiative to plant 3,500 new churches in India over the next 10 years. And we're, we're beginning to pray about that. We're beginning to look at that. I'll make more known about that uh, to you. I just... Got the ask on that last week. But we've begun to pray. Lord, could, is that something we could do? What would it look like if we had 3,500 churches in India over the next 10 years? Korea. Korea, it was once considered absolutely impossible 
as a mission field, which gives me hope for Mill Creek. All right? Korea was considered impenetrable. Wasn't going to happen. Don't even send missionaries there. Here's the story on Korea. In 1900, so think about 1900, right? That's only 120 years ago. 1900, there was no Protestant church in Korea. What God is doing in Korea today, six new churches open every day in Korea. Nine of the world's largest churches are in Korea. Some of those have over 800,000 members. Man, talk about a building program. Right? 800,000 members. Korea is 30% Christian and 7,000 churches in in Seoul, Korea alone. 7,000 just in that city. If you want to talk Korean and the flip of the impossible, here's what's happened with Korea in terms of missions. In Korea, in 1982, that's not that long ago. Some of you can remember that. 1982, there were 321 Korean Protestant missionaries. Right? Just 10 years later, 1992, there were 2,576 Korean Protestant ministries missionaries. In 1995, there were 105,000 young people, Korean young people, dedicated to at least two years of missionary service around the world. And right now, there are 3,000 Korean missionaries being trained to go where? You guessed it, into China. That's staggering. Let's look at Latin America. Of 400 million people, 50 million have become evangelical Christians. We'll come to Brazil in a minute. Uh, 34,000 are added to the church every day. Mexico's population, you probably didn't know this about Mexico. Mexico's population is 35% evangelical. Evangelical means you are a a Bible-believing Christian. You believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. He rose again from the dead, that he was God, and that the Bible is the word of God. 35% of Mexico is evangelical. Chile, Costa Rica, and Bolivia are 40% Bible-believing. Puerto Rico, by the way, uh, has the highest number of evangelicals per mile in the world. It's an astonishing number of believers. Brazil, let's just look at Brazil. Brazil, 50 million evangelical believers. A hundred years ago, there were no evangelicals in Brazil. Now, there were a lot of Catholics, okay? So there were some believers, but there were no evangelical or Protestant believers in Brazil. 1980, there were about 12 million. 1995, the number increased to 40 million. Brazil now has over 8,000 churches, 150 Christian radio and TV stations, and the number is expected to reach 50 million by the year 2000, which was 20 years ago. Over 5,000 churches are planted every year in Brazil. When's the last time you heard that news? Right? The growth of the church. 700 million people in 220 countries have seen the Jesus film. Okay? And they are absolutely ingenious in it. They have these compact little systems. They walk into a village. They set up a screen. They have a little uh, battery or generator they run, and they run the film, and then they move on to the next village and they bring people in to work with it. And 700 million have watched the Jesus film across the planet. 
41 million of that indicating a commitment to Christ. Soviet Union, right? You don't hear anything about the Soviet Union and what's going on there. There are estimated 100 million believers in Jesus Christ. 36% of the nation are believers. That's five times the number of the Communist Party when it was at its highest, when it was at the height of its popularity. Listen to this one. More than 15,000 public school teachers are now teaching morals from the Bible and the life of Christ in their classes in the Soviet Union. They may soon be ahead of us, the free United States. Let's talk Africa. Africa is the first continent in the world to become majority Christian in a single century. Over 50% are now believers. 25,000 new believers every day, and we just heard from some of our missionaries over there some of the staggering work that the Lord's doing. I won't name their names. You can go look on the missions wall and find out who they are. If you don't know who they are, there's James and Sarah. James and Sarah, wave your hand. Hi, Sarah. They can tell you who they are, all right? But there is incredible stuff happening uh, across the continent there. Let's take two more illustrations, real current ones right now today. One of the things you don't hear about, uh, what you hear in the news, and if you read in the news, you will hear about Iran. And what you hear about Iran is that it's a terrible, evil empire that's against the United States and promises total destruction and devastation to the great Satan, which is us. And so they are our mortal's enemies. What you don't ever hear about is the explosion of the church in Iran. Right now, as we stand here today, the church is exploding in such numbers that the government is absolutely terrified that they're going to lose a handle on the country, and so they are throwing them in jail and killing them as fast as they can, and they don't want anyone in the world to know about it. Where's the United Nations on that? Hello? Nobody's saying a word about what's happening there. You want another fantastic place? You know where it's popping up and going crazy right now? Israel. Israel, for the first time, the New Testament is now allowed in Jerusalem. And people are coming to Christ by droves. We never read this. Sounds like my background being a Catholic. The book sat on the desk and got dust. You didn't read it, right? But in Israel right now, and why are so many coming to Christ because they are in the midst of a pickle. I've told you you should be watching Israeli news. Go on the internet, look up Israeli news, watch The Watchman. Uh, it's another program, uh, Eric Steckelbeck. Um, there's other ones, but they are, there's stuff exploding over there right now. It's, it's hot again. And it, as Israel goes, so goes the rest of the world. And because of that, they recognize it's them pretty much against the world right there. And now you've got the Soviet Union coming down and Turkey just violated the NATO treaty and bought uh, this brand new weapon systems from Russia. And so now the U.S. is sanctioning Turkey, a NATO member, sanctioning Turkey because Turkey's siding with the Soviet Union instead of NATO. Why? Because they found trillions and trillions of gas, natural gas in the Mediterranean Sea along with a store of oil that rivals Saudi Arabia. The joke was that God's promised land was great, except he gave them no natural resources. All right? They now have natural resources. And if they build that pipeline, which they're currently building, it will go through Greece and up to Europe. They will cut off the 
the, the monopoly that uh, Russia's had on natural gas and oil. Do you think Russia's going to let that happen? Russia's already come to Israel and said, hey, we'd like to partner with you. Israel said, no thanks. How well do you think that's going over? Okay? That's like the bug saying to the lion, I'm, I'm not going to cooperate with you. And so there's stuff happening, and because of the pressure they're under, a lot of people realize, wow, we've got to look to God. And a lot of people are suddenly reading the New Testament and reading their history again and suddenly going, oh my goodness. And they're coming to Christ in droves. When's, when's the last time you heard that in our press? Okay. God is doing explosive things. I want to just give you the sources. If you can flash that up there. Here are the sources if you want to read some of this further. This, some of this is older. There's more modern stuff. Yeah, you take your phone, just take a picture. You don't have to write it down. And um, uh, there's, there's new and more current stuff, but I'm going, the point of this is this. Most of what I showed you this morning is 20 years old. All right? There are even more radical things happening with the kingdom of God on this planet right now than has ever happened. There are more people coming to Christ right now this morning as we sit here in this auditorium on this day, December 20th, 2020. There are more people coming to Christ right now than ever in the history of the world. Now, part of that is because there's more people. Duh. Okay, right? But part of that is because God is doing some things in the world today that he's never done before. And it is happening. And one of the problems we can have is when you sit in a fog bank like Mill Creek, which is exactly what Mill Creek is. It's foggy, right? When you try to see anything clear, you try to see the gospel or God doing anything, right? It's like walking through sludge. It's like pounding on concrete. Okay? We don't see anybody coming to Christ. We don't see anybody interested, and we go, well, that's okay. I guess that's the way it is all around the world. That is not the way it is all the way around the world, and God is showing us this morning what's going on around the world so that we would not lose faith and quit praying for the part of the world he put us in. We have got to pray for Mill Creek. Okay? People are lost, and the fact is they don't even know where to turn. They don't even have a memory anymore of church. They've just walked out and walked away from that. I did that in my life. I remember that. Hey, please, anybody but Jesus. Okay? Buddha, Muhammad, whatever. I mean, not Jesus. I, I did the Jesus thing. I didn't like it, and I didn't like my hand and the ruler hitting my hand, and I, you know, I'm done with that. Past that. And it was when Jesus utterly shocked me and surprised me and said, by the way, I'd like to reintroduce myself to you, son. Ha <laughs> ha! Right? I had a great category for God being way out there and me here and God doing his God things out there and me doing my things here. That's how Mill Creek is. God, you're cool as long as you don't mess with us. Okay? And God needs to reintroduce himself to people in Mill Creek. And this is a great time to do it. You know why? Their stuff isn't fulfilling them. It's not working. They're miserable. They're having a terrible time. And I want to point us to this. Here's some takeaways from this. One, I already said, God is far more active in the world than we ever dare. Most of the growth is occurring in the persecuted nations. Duh. Why? Because persecuted people need hope. Make sense? It's when you're in a desperate place that you start looking outside of your little box. And I want to say this too. God is powerfully at work in the United States as well. 
He is doing amazing stuff. The problem is we just never hear about it. We don't hear it in the wider culture. But I want to suggest that there's great hope for the church as we enter 2021. Let me give you some thoughts. As I said, there are more people coming to Christ today than ever before in the history of the world. What do we have doing well? We know who's on our side. We know the king. We know Jesus. We know who he is. We know we can pray to him. Now, that does not mean that all our struggles will go away. That does not mean all will go well for us. Uh, By the way, interesting side note as we go into 2021, because so many of us are ready to just shove 2020 under the carpet, right? And 2020, who new, yeah. Mm, 2021 might not be any better. Sorry to put a damper on that and cold water on your dream, but um, might not be better. But here's, a, there was just a recent study that came out. Shannon sent this to me. It was really fun to read. And the article points out that in this whole COVID mess, over the last uh, nine months that we've been in the whole COVID ordeal, nine or 10, whatever it is, um, there's one group that's done well during COVID. And do you know who that group is? It's the group of people that goes to church weekly. And what that means is that those who are reading their Bibles, those who are praying, and those who go to church and worship God don't have the same mental anguish that other people don't have that do. What they're saying is they're reporting better mental health, better presence, less anxiety. Why? Because they're leaning on something outside of themselves. You don't see that? Posted in the national press. Hey, if you're having anxiety, why don't you go to church? Be a good idea. As I said, we're eager to move on to 2021. uh, But again, it might just be as hard, if not harder. But here's the point. God has always been in the midst of struggles. Uh, If you've read the Bible, right? The stories in there are stories of struggles. Even the Christmas story is a story of struggles, okay? I mean, think about it, ladies. If you had to ride a donkey all the way for 15, 20 miles into town before you could get to the hospital, would that be pleasant? That's what Mary had to do, right? And their their experience was anything but peaceful soon after the baby was born. But here's the bottom line. What I've been trying to say to us this morning and trying to get us to anchor on, Jesus is not abandoning his bride, okay? And here's why that doesn't work in our culture anymore, because we have all kinds of husbands abandoning their bride. We have all kinds of husbands say, I'm going to upgrade. I'm going to do better. I wasn't so smart when I was young. I picked what was there. I've got more moxie now. I'm going to pick another one. And so many of us think that Jesus is doing the same thing. He's looking at the church, it's a little fatter, it's a little older, it's, you know, it's gimping around, it's got some arthritis. I think I need a new bride. Okay? Jesus is not saying that. Hear me. Jesus loves his bride. Jesus is not going to abandon his bride. As a matter of fact, he may be coming to get her soon. And we should be ready. Remember the four targets for the fall? What we said they were? We need to be steadfast. Right? We need to stay united. 
We need to walk in a manner worthy of this great king. And then we need to love each other deeply. Why do we need to love each other deeply? Because he loves us deeply. By the way, if you're having a hard time loving somebody, which is, I know it's hard to believe that could happen, right? But if you're having a hard time loving somebody and it's just, you don't even like them anymore, right? Right? And you're saying to God, you know, God, if you took them home to heaven, that'd be kind of nice. Right? Then you can deal with them and I don't have to deal with them anymore. If you're having that problem, and I'm assuming we live in a fallen world, that might be true. What you've got to do is go to the Lord and say, you know what, Lord? Here, Jesus, here's what I need. I need your love for that person. I've run out of love. I've run out of like. I need you to give me love for that person. Let me see them through your eyes. But you better ask it honestly. These are all the marks of a waiting and expectant bride, if you think about it. That's why we should be in the Word this year. Join us, would you? I don't care if you failed before. I don't care if you tried it 20 times. Join us again. Jump in. We've, I've had people break through this year that one guy came up and said, took me two years, but I made it. He says, I feel like an adult. <laughs> fabulous, okay? It's fabulous. He made it. And a lot of people said, I never, never understood till I read all the way through and went, oh my gosh. And you don't, you can read the New Testament. You can, I mean, there's so many different plans we've got. Let's be that kind of group of people. I'd like to close with us considering this exhortation as we come into Christmas week. It's Christmas week, okay? The world can't shut it down. They're trying hard to. They're trying to say, hey, you can't do the holidays. It isn't a holiday, it's a worship service. And it's a worship service of the great king. Colossians says this, Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. Interesting when we gift-giving season, right? Set your heart on things above where Christ is seated, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Amen? Amen. Merry Christmas. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the incredible exhortations included in your word. Boy, you can pull from all kinds of different books and just, they're nail drivers. They just catch us right where we are. Lord, as we look at this information this morning, we recognize we've been in an incredible propaganda campaign, not just by our country, but by Satan himself, to say you're not there, to say you don't care, to say it doesn't matter, and that you can't do anything, and that you are old and feeble, and uh, Lord, we, we live in a generation of Alzheimer's, and that's kind of the picture Satan's trying to paint of you, that you're old, decrepit, and forgetful, and you really don't notice, and you're not watching. Lord, that's anything but the truth. God, would you help go against that truth this morning. Can you pop some of these things, these figures in our mind and get us looking back to find places where you are working. Help us to see you in our culture of Mill Creek. Lord, we pray for Mill Creek that you would take the fog bank away. We pray that people would have eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts that would be open to turning to you. We ask, Lord, that this, you're coming. You came for the church. There's a great future for the church. We should be, of all people, the most hopeful 
and the most grateful. May that be true of us this week. And we ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. The Spirit is still at work. Amen. I can testify to that. I know that I have had so many people praying for me this past week. I've been kind of working nonstop. It's Christmas, you know. But I have felt so uplifted by the presence and power and spirit of God because people have been praying for me. So I want to encourage you to pray for one another because the spirit is active. He wants to be asked and he is moving, okay? Stand as you're able. We're going to close with a prayer that is simply asking, God, your will be done and your kingdom come. So pray this song with us as we close this morning.
we lift our voice and pray father not my will but yours be done and in this name we overcome for you shall see us safely home now as your church we lift our voice and pray father not my will but yours be done oh father not my will but yours be done father not my will but yours be done jesus says if you love me you obey my commandments right obey this week what has he been saying to you what has he asked you to do just cooperate Say, yes, yes, I will do that. Yes, I'll do Yeah, I'll get up. Yeah, I'll read. Yes, I will. I'll pray. Do that this week. Let's, Father, we seek you. Help us. We know the flesh is willing, but the, uh, the spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. Often, Lord, we just procrastinate. Uh, all kinds of things we do. But as we come this week, Lord, and we think about how you came, it was an incredible rescue operation. May we just have intense gratitude. May people pick up on it. And we pray this in your name. Amen. All right. Thank you for coming. Thank you for watching in this morning. We're glad you came. And again, if you can help us by going out the back doors, that'd be great.